Greetings, greetings. Welcome to another episode of Truth to Power. I am your host, Tyrus McKnight. And tonight, I want to talk about New Orleans 2030. Now, I was supposed to do this episode. I know what you're thinking. I think I was supposed to do this episode um, a couple of weeks back, but I got backtracked with a lot of other things. So, I'm bringing it to you tonight in all of this capacity. Also, I recorded an episode called Phantom Murders. I have yet to release it, only because I haven't done the editing in it yet. Um, but I want to thank you guys for being patient with me. I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight. And we're going to talk about a lot tonight. Now, some people may be asking themselves, what is New Orleans 2030? Well, New Orleans 2030 is a 10-year plan that New Orleans has for the city. And as I overlooked this plan, I saw a lot of discrepancies as far as the majority race. Now, for those, who, those of you who have seen my documentary, New Orleans Politics, you know that one of my main issues with the city of New Orleans is that it's 60% black with majority black legislature, uh, majority black people, but we control a minute, um, as a matter of fact, less than 2% of the economics now. And we're constantly declining as far as that goes. And I did my discovery, and I was always trying to wonder why that is. And with the 100-year anniversary of Tulsa, Oklahoma, I thought it was very important to talk about the importance of having a black city for black people with a black economic base, how important it is. And as always, once you have that, you will have white interference on some type of level. You have to expect that. It's going to happen. Now, as I read over the plan for New Orleans 2030, it seems to me that the plan is including moving the black residents out and making a new wave for illegal immigrants and other races. Now, you may be asking yourself if you listen to this program or if you listen to this podcast, you may be asking yourself, well, how could that be? You guys have majority black leadership. Well, as we have seen with Mr. Ray Nagin, when he was in office after his Chocolate City speech, we saw that black leadership isn't really black leadership. We are under the leadership of an invisible white supremacist hand. And what I mean by that is, it's not the power that you see that's in front of you that should scare you. It's the person that's financing the power in front of you. For instance, whoever is in control of Joe Biden, the President of the United States, whoever's funding him, that's 
who you should have issues with. That's who you should um, look into. That's the real power. No different from any majority black city in which black people own a minute um, part of the uh, resources. New Orleans included. Mayor Cantrell, whoever's funding her campaign. Huh? There's a reason why that their hotel, their Hard Rock Hotel, still hasn't been fixed yet. What is going on? Two years now, almost. Almost two years now. The Hard Rock Hotel has not been fixed yet. Of course, and of course, you know, I have my naysayers saying, oh, Tyrus, that's that seems to be far-fetched. New Orleans is a black city with black culture. But a lot of you guys that's listening to me right now can't even afford your rent. And one of the main reasons why you can't afford your rent is up on, is on you. And I have to be honest when I speak about these type of things because when you got a black man like me that's telling black people, listen, instead of spending your money with these Asian people, how about you spend it with your own? Help build up their business. First thing a person from New Orleans to tell me. And if I'm bullshitting, call me out on it. First thing they'll say is, well, I'm not helping that nigga pay his rent. I'm not helping that nigga buy his new car. Man, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? It's time to get off that type of shit. And I'm only saying that because... When you bring that to the forefront, you bring it to the light. A lot of black people, I wouldn't really call them black people, I'd call them coons. But a lot of coons will say, well, they don't want to support black businesses because they don't want to help out another black person. But you're willing to help out races of other people that are going against you. And, you know, this isn't uncommon in New Orleans because I talked about. And I talked about my experiences at Xavier University in which I felt like a minority, you know, on a majority black class. But that's beyond the point. We're here now. We are here now. So, New Orleans 2030. Let's take this chapter by chapter. I don't know how long <laughs> my, um, I don't know how long I'm going to be here tonight, but let's take this chapter by chapter. Okay. Now, where was I? Yes. A vision and plan for action. Plan for 21st century New Orleans 2030. The official citywide master plan has emerged from the cauldron of a recent history unique among major American cities. Leading the way as the sponsors and stewards of the plan. The citizen members of the Citizen Plan Commission Call for a plan centered on New Orleans' hard-won experience, experience, and their aspirations for the future. Now, I want to, I want you guys to understand something. I want you guys to take a good look at something. I want you guys to do some research. I want to give you a little bit of homework tonight if you really care about this. Now, 
the City Planning Commission. I need you guys to go look up who's on it, what they look like, what their um, credentials are, who appointed them, and what their qualifications are. Because they're saying that this plan was written four years after Hurricane Katrina and Rita. New Orleans population is estimated at more than three quarters of its pre-storm total. Now, if you watch my documentary, I had this exact thing in my documentary. I talked about this. I talked about how Ray Nagin, they had a plan for the city of New Orleans after Katrina when um, during Katrina, they already had a plan in place. But what they weren't counting on was any resistance from Ray Nagin. They weren't counting on any resistance from Ray Nagin. What they were counting on was him to play along. In the words of the brother Kwame Brown, they was expecting him to be in a get along, go along, get along, to go, go along, to get along game. That's what they were expecting. They didn't expect a chocolate city speech. They didn't expect for black people to travel from Atlanta, from Houston, every place that they were displaced at. They weren't expecting for them to come back and help Ray Nagin win that election. And I tell people from New Orleans all the time, when they ask me, oh, what about the other constituents? If it's 60% of the population, why the fuck do you need other constituents? Why? New Orleans, in my opinion, has the numbers and the intellect if, we, if we're collective. I'm talking about the black people. I'm talking about specifically black people. If we're collective, if we're on code, we have the collective to reshape New Orleans into a modern day Tulsa, Oklahoma. But we have to be willing to put petty differences aside. Because I made this point while I was talking to somebody yesterday, just yesterday. I made this point. They were like, well, they were like, well, how would they go? How would you um, go about doing it? Because somebody wants to be here. But you know, you can't stop leaders from being leaders. Anybody that's a leader, they're going to take over automatically. As soon as they step in a room, they got a certain type of charisma about them. They got a certain type of intellect about them. People are going to follow leaders and the strongest personality in the room. That's just how it goes. You can't stop that. But what we don't need is a bunch of people in their egos and in their feelings about somebody else leading the charge. Because I made the example. I said, listen. He was like, he was like, because he made, uh, the person I was talking to, he made um, the correlation of, oh, how hard do you think it is to sell gumbo in New Orleans? I said, it wouldn't be hard at all, really, if it's good. 
He said, no, it'll be hard for you. But you could go to Washington, D.C. and all the rest of these places and you could sell gumbo if you say that you're from New Orleans and you have gumbo. I had to disagree with him. I said, now, if I were, now, if I were competing against a white guy and a white guy had gumbo, and a lot of y'all know this is true, if I was competing against a white man right next to me and he had gumbo, oh, let me go try this white man gumbo. Because y'all don't know the white man, but y'all know me. In your eyes, you've been subjected so long for saying, hey, that's my enemy. Even people you hang around with, it's just innate. I remember one time I said, um, I had got like this big interview on my other podcast. And somebody I was close with, you should like you should have seen the change. I'm talking about somebody I was close with, sometimes somebody I was down with. I still love them to this day. But I was like, hey, listen, I got this person doing my podcast. You know what I'm saying? I'm very excited about that. I said, you know, I was like, you know, no, that ain't how to start. I said, you know, such and such. It was like, yeah. I said, what are they going to do? Uh, they, was like, they was like, yeah, he's real funny or whatever like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, um, I was like, he going to be on my podcast. And their immediate response was, oh, he's not that funny. Just, just little shit like that divides us as a people. When you see somebody on the come up, trying to come up and do something productive with their lives, you try to stop them. And I know I'm going on a little rain here, but I'm just saying like the potential of New Orleans is so great if people would just come together, like our black people would come together. But unfortunately, we don't have that type of unity. And I also make the correlation. Listen. Allegedly, because it's some illegal talk right here. But if a drug dealer in New Orleans see another drug dealer on their territory, they'll go shoot that person down. They'll plan that person's murder. They won't even come to the table with that person and say, listen. You know what? We're doing, we're both doing illegal business. Allegedly. Why don't we just join up? And split the profits 50-50. Then when we make our profits, we give back to the city. And I make that correlation to let y'all to help y'all understand something. Same thing with business. The same thing with business. It's the whole white ice is colder. But now, white ice ain't just colder. Asian ice is colder. Arab ice is colder. Everybody ice is colder except for your own people. You'd be the main ones 
when your cousin gets shot down or something like that, oh, why we can't stick together? Because of shit y'all be doing. But anyway, I digress. I digress. Now, notice what they said. It was written four years after Hurricane Katrina and Rita. They have nearly 390,000 people calling the city home. They say new mixed income housing in neighborhoods are being completed. That's gentrification and displacement. That's gentrification and displacement. Moving forward begins with the recognition that the years of economic stagnation that followed the oil and gas bust created pessimistic stories as some New Orleans lost confidence. Many residents saw the city as a place with the golden past it could never hope to recapture. Competition over shrinking economic perioded New Orleans New Orleans sense of shared destiny. Yet with effective government, new era of partnerships and shared political will take will take will make tough decisions. New Orleans is poised over the next 20 years for a transformation that brings new economic growth, opportunity, and innovation into the city that continues to honor its roots. By 2030, the city can achieve the promise of the vision, adding to its histories and story in tangible, visible, and subtle ways. Now, With that being said, what y'all just heard right there is New Orleans is going to is going to expand the economic growth, but that's going to mean, and I cannot stress this enough, because a lot of people won't get this. I cannot stress this enough. What that means is is that black people, your black ass about to be out on the street. Your ass about to be in Tent City. If you don't know what Tent City is, that's a skid row in New Orleans. Now, we have we have one billionaire in Louisiana. In the entire state of Louisiana. That'll be Gail Benson. We have even fewer black millionaires in the city of New Orleans. But apparently we have some. Apparently we have some. And they can't readily let us know who they are. <laughs> but apparently we have some black millionaires in New Orleans. from what I understand. Now, eventually, we're gonna to have to get to a point where 
that 60% of New Orleans, and I'm talking about math here, that 60% of black population in New Orleans is going to have to be around 80% of economics. That's if we want to survive, but we're going to have to come together because I'm telling you now, But I'm telling you now that if this is the same plan that they had 10 years ago or over 10 years ago after Katrina, then uh, it's about to be good riddance for some people. The plan, okay, let me continue with this. The plan has three parts. Volume 1, Executive Summary. It is a condensed version of the longer technical plan. It presents essential points of analysts and recommendations to tell the story of the plan. Volume 2, Strategies and Actions, which that's where they are now, contains more detailed analyst recommendation maps graphics in chapter six and 16 chapters this is the volume you are reading now right I know that context and um, appendix including additional black background analysts other materials prepared for this plan and information resources and there are some pictures here. Central City, you're getting gentrified and displaced. I can tell you right now, as soon as they get their whole fools up in there, there's going to be good riddance for you. They already got, is that the A Ward? I used to stand A Ward. They already got the A Ward gentrified. They do. They do. And they already have a plan for land and other things. I can tell you right now, there's going to be a part two to this because I'm very, <laughs> I can't even lie to you, I'm very exhausted. And I know, I know that's not your problem. But I can't speak truth to power tonight. And I can't fully do that if I'm um, exhausted. But um, I just wanted to put that out there. New Orleans 2030, that's a strategic plan to move the black population out of the city of New Orleans and gentrify and displace it. They're trying to get New Orleans and Bourbon Street like Manhattan. They really are. But they're going to fail miserably. And even more so, I said that I had one more gift to give to the city of New Orleans before I leave. Because I was planning on leaving soon. I was. I am. But there's one more gift I want to give you guys. We did New Orleans politics 
New Orleans 2030 is going to be coming to a theater near, near you. New Orleans 2030. I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to make that happen. That's going to be the sequel to New Orleans politics. New Orleans 2030. Now, I want to thank you guys for joining me tonight. Thank you guys for supporting me. I really appreciate it. Low Hanging Fruit shall be in Amazon very soon. I'm almost finished with it. I'm very excited about it. And I just spoke truth to power. Have a good night.